on your sheets there we have one of our carols just to remind us that the world's celebrating the birth of our Jesus and we're here on a, week, on a weekly basis to celebrate the birth of another Jesus generally. So let's uh, turn to our sheets, thanks Norm, and we're going to sing, O Come, All Ye Faithful.
to, to rate him. It was a great passage of scripture that Norm took us to there. It's remarkable, isn't it, that Joseph, Joseph was overcome. He was overcome with emotion when he saw his brothers. What a great picture of our Lord Jesus Christ. He wept. He wept. And he welcomes straying sinners back to himself. And that's what the preaching of the gospel is all about. We're, Lord willing, going to look at Acts chapter 28. We're getting near the end of Acts now. And I'm anxious about not finishing it too quickly because I think there's, there's so much beauty in what is said and so much that's so incredibly significant in the events of this culmination of Paul's life. And as I said earlier, this is the last testimony that Paul has that any of the apostles have in the presence of the Jews that we have recorded by the Holy Spirit. And so the events that happened in this prison, this house arrest that Paul was under in Rome where he's chained to a Roman soldier 24-7 are extraordinarily significant. And he, he had these Jews come to him. He had these Jews come to him and it says... In verse 23, and when they had appointed a day, these Jews appointed him a day. There came many to him in his lodging to whom he expounded, which means to just to lay down, to set forth, to fix, to establish and testify. That word testify is the word we get martyr from. It's to, in a sense, lay it down, lay it down in such a way that you are prepared to lose your life for it. It is a matter of life and death. He testified the kingdom of God, persuading them, persuading them. And that word persuading is the same word that we have down in verse 24 about them believing. He persuaded them concerning Jesus. And that's what preaching is. I want to induce you, that's what the word means, to induce you to believe, to trust, to obey, to have confidence in and he did it both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets from morning till evening. And then some believed, some were persuaded, some put their confidence in and their trust in the things which were spoken and some believed not. I remind you yet again that this group of Jews is an extraordinarily rebellious group of Jews. They have, they have withstood the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ battering down their self-righteousness for 20-odd years. These people were extraordinarily religious and they were extraordinarily zealous. They had been expelled from Rome years prior to this and for five years they were out of Rome and they've returned and they've been back in Rome. And you can imagine what these Jews are like. We often think of the Jews as being wicked people. These were extraordinarily religious people. In the midst of pagan Rome, they would have defended their legalistic righteousness. They would have defended the fact that here we are, we are the witnesses of Yahweh. We are the witnesses of Jehovah. We are the ones that are waiting for the Messiah to come. Not only had they resisted that witness, they had the witness of the Roman church for those years as well. And yet, 
And yet to that rebellious people, that rebellious people, that openly rebellious people, God sent his servant Paul. God sends his servant only ever to rebellious people. Only ever to rebellious people. And he persuaded them. Rebellious people are divided into two groups, aren't they? There are just two groups in this world. Verse 24, and some believed. Some believed the things which were spoken. And some believed not. Some were persuaded. Some were induced by words. Some came to trust, to obey, to be confident, to rely upon the Lord Jesus Christ and the words that were spoken. And I remind you yet again that believing, real believing, comes from God. He creates the fruit of lips. He creates belief in the lives of his people. That, is, that word believe is in the imperfect passive indicative. It's a passive. So if you're passive, someone's active. If someone's active in believing, the one person that's active in believing is God Almighty. And some believed not. And there the tense of the verb is active. So believing, really believing, is a passive activity. That's why faith comes by hearing. Hearing is a passive activity. Believing not is an active activity. What did Paul preach? He went. He preached from morning till evening. He started at Genesis 1-1 and he preached to them. I want to, seeing this is a Jewish audience, I want, to get, want us to go back and just quickly look at Acts chapter 13. And Paul preached in a synagogue in Acts chapter 13. He preached to the Jews for the first time. They had read the law and the prophets, and so Paul began by talking to them out of the law and the prophets. And he stood up. He says, Men of Israel, and ye that fear God, give audience. And then I want to just read through these verses quickly, but I want you to take note of the fact that in all of salvation, I want you to notice how this is God's activity from beginning to end. It's always God's activity. And rebellion is man's activity from beginning to end. Salvation is of the Lord. Rebellion is of man. He says in verse 17, The God of, the, of this people, Israel, chose our father. Paul begins with reminding the Jews of God's election, God's sovereign hand of election, that the purpose of God according to election might stand. But not only that, but in this election he exalted the people. He exalted the people, a people the Egyptians had subjugated, a people the Egyptians had put into bondage and hard labour. And he brought them out. He brought them out. This is a picture of redemption, isn't it? He brought them out with a high arm. He brought them out by the revelation of the, his, his power. If he's going to bring you out of this world, he's going to bring you out of religion, if he's going to bring you out of bondage, he's going to do it with a high arm. We have election. We have redemption. And this is, does this describe you? Certainly describes me. And, verse 18, and about the time of 40 years suffered he their manners. Has he suffered your manners? He has to suffer my manners, I promise you. 
He suffered their manners. He suffered their manners. It's a picture of his preservation. Verse 19, and he had destroyed. When he had destroyed, you would have thought there was an Israelite army doing the work, but he says he destroyed them. He did the work. He did it all. He destroyed the seven nations, verse 19, and he divided. He divided their land to them by lot. He creates the inheritance of his people. He preserves them. He chooses them. He he redeems them. He preserves them. He chooses their land for them. And he gave them, verse 20, he gave them judges for 450 years. And then when they desired a king, he gave them Saul. And we know what happened with Saul, the king. In verse 22, he removed Saul, didn't he? He'd removed him and he raised up David. He raised up David to be their king to whom he also gave testimony. He's the one that gives the testimony of his people. I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfil all my will. How did David finish his days? God has made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered and sure in every detail. It was all his salvation. It was all his desire. He gave David testimony. Verse 23, and from him. So this is what Paul would have preached in summary to these Jews. He would have given them their history and he would have given them their history through the lens of who the Lord Jesus Christ. He raised up unto, verse 23, he raised up unto Israel a saviour, Jesus. In verse 26 it says, Men and brethren, the children of the stock of Abraham, whosoever among you feareth God, to you is the word of this salvation sent. God sends the word of his salvation. He sends the word of who the Lord Jesus Christ is and what he does. And then he says, verse 27, For they that dwelt at Jerusalem and their rulers, because they knew him not, they had no idea who they were dealing with when they were dealing with the Lord Jesus Christ. They had no understanding of who God was. They had no understanding of God's Christ. They had no understanding of the Scriptures. Listen to what it says. Because they knew him not, nor yet the voices of the prophets. They had the words of the prophets. They recited them every day. You could take those Jews and a goodly number of them could start at Genesis 1-1 and recite all the way through to Malachi. They could recite all the Psalms. So they had the word of God and they knew it off by heart, but they never heard a word from God. They didn't hear the voices of the prophets. And even that, even in that, they're fulfilling them, it says, doesn't it? They have fulfilled them in condemning him. And though they found no cause of death in him, yet they desired they pilot that he should be slain. And when, verse 29, when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a sepulchre. But God raised him from the dead. And he was seen many days of them which came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses unto the people. And we declare, we declare unto you glad tidings. It's the same word that the angels used at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ as a baby. We declare glad tidings. How that the promise which was made unto the fathers 
God hath fulfilled the same unto us, their children, in that he hath raised up Jesus again. And is it also written in the psalm, the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And as concerning that he raised him up from the dead, now no more to return to corruption, he said on this wise, I will give you the sure mercies of David. You don't earn the sure mercies of David. The sure mercies of David come as a gift from God. The sure mercies of David. I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I'll give you the sure mercies of David. He's quoting Isaiah chapter 55. I'll just read it briefly for you. In Isaiah 55, these are the verses they knew and they had no idea that they related to the Lord Jesus. He says in Isaiah 55, incline your ear. See, Paul is persuading them. Isaiah was persuading them. Incline your ear and come unto me here and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. The sure mercies of David are the eternal covenant where the Lord Jesus Christ was the surety. He became the surety. He became the guarantor. He took absolute responsibility for all of the children that God had given him. He's responsibility for all their sins, responsible for all their sins. He calls them my sins. And he's responsible for all their righteousness. The sure mercies of David. It's been promised. It's been delivered. It's been witnessed to. He says in Acts 13, he goes on to say, And as concerning that he raised him up from the dead, verse 34, and now no more to return to corruption, he said on this wise, I will give you the sure mercies of David. Wherefore he saith also in another psalm, Thou shalt not suffer thine holy one to see corruption. For David, after he'd served his own generation by the will of God, fell in sleep and was laid unto his fathers and saw corruption. But he, whom God raised, saw no corruption. There was nothing in the Lord Jesus Christ to bring on corruption because sin brings corruption. And he had no sin. He put away all of that sin that was on him. It was gone. There was no corruption in that holy body in the tomb. Be it known, therefore, unto you. He's persuading them, isn't he? Be it known therefore unto you, therefore men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. It's only good news for sinners. It's only ever good news for sinners. And listen to what he goes on to say. And this is the verse that caused the Jews to be irate in Antioch 20 years before Paul preached in Rome. And it's the same It's the same message that causes the Jews in Rome to be incensed. It causes the religious people. The Jews are a picture of the religious people of this world, religious in their own activities, religious in their own righteousness, religious in their cooperation with God. I love verse 39. And by him all that believe... Everything is by him. Everything has come from him. In all of the verses read, it's all about God and what he does. And by him all that believe. Where does believing come from? It's believing is him. It's faith. 
that comes from him, from his faithfulness. By him all that believe are justified, are justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. What is it to be justified? To be justified is to be declared in the courts of God that you have never sinned. That there is nothing for God to bring against you in any way according to his holiness and his justice. Why? Because the sins are gone. The sins are put away. The sins are cast as far as the east is from the west. They're bundled up in a bag and God can't remember them. And why can't he remember them? Because they don't exist. That is the glory of what the Lord Jesus Christ did. By him, I'm persuaded, I'm persuaded. I love the salvation and faith is not what we believe about ourselves. I love that it's about what we believe about him. If you go back to Philip's encounter with the Ethiopian music, he says, he says to Philip, what hinders me from being baptised? He just heard a message from the Old Testament. He'd been persuaded out of Isaiah 53 and following. And Philip said, what hinders? He said, what hinders me? Philip said, if you thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stop and he baptised him. Salvation. Genuine faith is not believing about us and our reformed lives and what we do. It's what we believe about the Lord Jesus Christ. The religious people in Antioch were offended and there was a division. Wherever this gospel is proclaimed, wherever the Lord Jesus Christ is proclaimed in all of his glory, wherever he is proclaimed as we love to quote that verse out of 1 Corinthians, 15, uh, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 30. He says, But of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us. Sanctification, wisdom. Is he all your wisdom? Is he all your wisdom? He's made unto us wisdom. He's made unto us righteousness. The only righteousness the child of God has before God Almighty is the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's all my sanctification. So this is where the Jews and the religious people of the day go so incredibly wrong, is that they'll acknowledge that the Lord Jesus Christ is the Christ of God and they'll acknowledge all sorts of wonderful things about him. And then when it comes to the business of sanctification, it's a cooperative activity. God's done his bit and I must do mine. And look what I've done to please God. And look what you haven't done to please God. And you can come and join with me in pleasing God. That's what these Jews in Rome were doing. Is he all your sanctification? Is he all your righteousness? Is he all your redemption? See, when people are persuaded, 1 Corinthians one thirty one is true, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. All his boasting is going to be in the Lord Jesus Christ. All his boasting is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul caused wherever he went, wherever the gospel goes, there is a division. There's a division amongst people. There's a division 
in those who believe and those who believe not. And I want to remind you that Paul had been in the unbelieving category for a long time and he wanted to prove the depth of his unbelief by his rebellion against them and his murder of Christians. There is what God calls a time of love. There's a time when he comes in power. There's a time when he reveals himself to people. And when he reveals himself to his people, he reveals himself as he is in his book. And we say, it was written. It was written and I didn't see it. It was written and I hadn't heard. It's been spoken and I never heard. He persuaded them. He persuaded them. I love what happens in Antioch. Paul saw, I'm sure, the hearts of those people whose rebellion was raised up when it was told that their works of righteousness are nothing other than filthy rags. We've seen it ourselves, brothers and sisters, haven't we? We've seen religious people be absolutely incensed when you quote Isaiah to them and tell them that all of their righteous deeds are filthy rags before God. God has in heaven a perfect righteousness now. And you cannot add anything to it and nor can you subtract anything from it. God's people worship and bow and adore and praise. Verse 45 of Acts 13. In response to the whole city coming together to hear the word of God, the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and they spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming, to speak against the testimony that Paul gave of the Lord Jesus Christ is to blaspheme God. Blaspheme God. Paul says, I'm persuaded. I'm persuaded. I know whom I have believed. I'm persuaded. I'm persuaded. Let's sing again and then we'll have a break for a cup of coffee. We're going to sing, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. It's on your sheet there. Glory to the newborn King. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. Thanks, Ron and Ben.